All right, welcome back to another episode of the Common Sense Report. Today I have uh, a special guest, uh, international guest, Colm from Dublin. He's a co-host of the Adventures in Advising podcast and the Irish NFL show. Colm, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's uh, nice to have the opportunity to chat to you as uh, we record this on the eve of St. Patrick's Day. I guess it's it's fitting that you have an Irish guest. Is that right? I didn't even know that. I I feel I feel uneducated. <laughs> no, not not at all. You, uh, it, it's it's a, a big holiday here in Ireland, but it's not the case that it is all around the world. But yeah, the seventeenth of March is St. Patrick's Day, so uh, awesome. I guess okay. na- now you know you you can celebrate tomorrow however you wish. I will. I'll. Uh, I'll. I don't know how. I think just remembering my childhood with St. Patrick's Day here in the U.S., all we did was wear green. And if, um, you know, if you didn't wear green, you'd get pinched, you know, like that was the, that was the thing, I guess. Uh, but, but that's awesome. Do you have any plans for tomorrow? Uh, anything to celebrate? Well, well, firstly, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I, I, I'd love to know where the pinching you, if you don't wear green comes from, because I, I can tell you it's not a tradition <laughs> here in Ireland. I have no idea. And I wish I knew the origin of that. I, it, it just brought up an old memory, but it, it's just something that happens here. Uh, I can't really explain it. I'm sure someone else might be able to, but it, it's specifically in school. I remember that being a thing, even with teachers. Um, it wasn't a hard pinch, obviously. No, no abuse or anything there. Just you know, kind of like a light pinch. Hey, you're not wearing green. Um, but you know, you know, us Americans, we're a little bit weird. We have some odd traditions. So you know, I, some some we do a lot of things for no reason, right? Well, I think we're all cultures are, are, are guilty of that. It's just an interesting one because it doesn't exist over here. And I suppose in terms then of what I'm going to do, well, we are still in lockdown here in, mm. in Ireland. So um, I'm going to go for a walk um, in the same way that I went for a walk today and went for a walk yesterday. And pretty much most of my days consist of, of going for walks at the moment. Ordinarily, it would be a huge day of celebration. We would have a parade. There's like a week-long series of festivities. There are giant dances. It's nice. okay. obviously, we get people from all over the world, but none of that will be will be happening uh, this year. So I'll, I'll catch up um with friends and family online and uh, go for go for a walk and uh, probably treat myself to a few beers very nice very nice and and uh, you know is guinness the beer choice there or what is your beer choice well guinness is enormously popular in ireland Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously in other locations but i actually if i was to throw a stone out my apartment window i could almost hit the guinness brewery and i can very often smell the hops from the brewing process when when they are are brewing so it's a common smell in dublin yeah a lot of people i know drink guinness i'm actually uh celiac i'm i so i have to be gluten-free so that changes my my beer choice but i i certainly have many friends who uh would enjoy a pint of guinness and one of the things guinness is it's a two-part pour you, okay. you you can't just pour Guinness directly from the tap. You have to let it let it settle, and so I think Guinness is a thing that people are really missing because all the pubs have been closed in Ireland, you know. So uh, people haven't been able to to go to the the pub, and it's from what I hear, 
uh, from friends, uh, it's not it's not the same from uh, a bottle or, or a can. So people definitely miss that draft Guinness. The other options obviously uh, are, are are there. And I suppose it is interesting. There's always the story that Guinness doesn't travel well. And so mm. then you got to come to Ireland to really enjoy <laughs> and, and to Dublin in particular to enjoy that pr- uh, premier Guinness uh, for, for want of a better term. Absolutely. No, I, absolutely. I, I'm not a, in, in, on that celiac note. I'm not really a beer fan myself. Um, I, I do like, I do like, uh, like seltzers, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar what with White Claw. Yes. Or yes, yes like indeed. stuff like that. I, I like something with a little bit less sugar, you know, but just kind of getting straight to the alcohol. Um, but that's that's a good story about Guinness. So you mentioned a two part pour. I guess I've been drinking it wrong, um, you know, the whole time. I, I you know, but it, either way, I, I haven't been to Ireland. I want to uh, visit sometime. I've been to England, um, and I and I know I had Guinness there, and it, it came out of the the you know the tap. But Ireland, it, it seems like a great, you know, a great country to, to be in. How have you guys been doing with lockdown? I know you mentioned you're still in lockdown. Is that going to end anytime soon? Do you guys have any plans for, you know, vaccine rollout? How has that been going? Oh, vaccine rollout has been incredibly slow, unfortunately. Um, mm. We we had a really good response to, to, lockdown, to the first wave, I guess. Uh, and there was a lot of buy-in from people and, and kind of we locked down the last March and St. Patrick's Day had to be cancelled again. And for that first few months, there was that we're all in this together. And then we got to June, I suppose there was various lobbyist interests that, that came in mm. and we we began to to reopen and and we opened pubs and restaurants and we had a been what's been dubbed the, the nine euro magic immunity meal so you could <laughs> open a, you you could go to to a pub but only if they were serving food and only if you bought a substantial meal so it was nine euro and i think what that did was it, it immediately showed that we weren't being guided by science anymore we we're being guided by lobbyists in many ways because what made this meal magic that I this, this, I can have this and I can sit here and, and have my pint as long as I have the meal, but I can't go mm. to the pub next door that doesn't serve the meal. And really, I feel it was kind of a slippery slope in many ways since then. So we've actually, this is our third wave. We opened up before Christmas, but at that point, um, kids were in school, they opened pubs and restaurants, and you obviously had the Christmas rush in terms of shopping. So it was this just perfect storm of parents going out in the evenings, people going shopping, all mixing at home, kids going into school, that mixes there, it comes home, and then everyone goes home to see granny at Christmas time. And, and yeah. we actually had the, the highest rate of COVID in the world uh, for a, a period of time just after Christmas into into January. And we've we've struggled to to get the, the numbers really under control. They've begun to come down again, but the vaccine rollout has been really slow. Um and there there seems to be some politics going on 
between the EU and AstraZeneca. Now, the EU seems to have signed a new deal with Pfizer today in terms of getting more doses available. So it's been certainly very frustrating to to be here and to, I I have a a lot of friends and family in the United States to see Mm. people. I'm delighted for them that they're able to get get back to normal but i think i my biggest frustration comes from the lack of transparency and and the lack of what we feel is is honesty you know i mean yeah if, absolutely if if it is the you know what made it the, the 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 magic community meal i i understand kids you know you want to reopen schools because you want to get kids back you also want to free up parents in order to to allow them to go back to work you know if kids are at home it's very difficult for for parents to to work but let's have an honest let's just be honest about that like there is a piece today where like our public health bodies and the government said that we kids went back on the 1st of March and we've okay. seen a, a huge increase in cases amongst children since that time and they said <laughs> no 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 that that's nothing to do with schools reopening it, it's just in the community yeah and it's a typical gaslighting in uh, politics right it, it but it completely undermines everything they 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 do then and and they wonder why people don't believe believe them in, in relation to other things and they wonder why you know people fall into um the you know the, the far right or um and i hate the term because it gets labeled uh for everything but into you know conspiracy theories and stuff like that but if you're not yeah. going to be honest with people if uh, society be so much better if we had honest discussions around um, public health measures around drugs around sex work all of those things but we don't we have fake conversations or we don't have conversations at all and we just have a, a, a kind of a, a nanny state approach and we know best and, and we're going to implement mm. policies and we're told that they're for you know our protection but it that has been to me the the, the most frustrating part is kind of watching that play out and it, you know, I, I get why they've taken certain measures. Even masks is probably another part that, you know, people get, there's a lot of talk about masks and how can you not believe in masks? But if, I don't know if you remember, but this time last year, the, all the talk was, you don't need masks. They don't do anything. They're not going to help you. And the reason for that was they they were worried that they wouldn't have enough for the healthcare workers, but they never explained mm. that. And suddenly they went yeah. from masks are no good to actually masks that really make a difference. But they, again, without ever explaining that, and then they wonder why people said, hey, what's all this about masks? And is this fake? And is this real? If you I do remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah, that conversation. It's It's, if you don't provide people with real information, there's a vacuum and it's very easy for that vacuum to get filled with, with misleading information and then for people to go down a rabbit hole. That's a, that's a actually, that's a great, a great point. And, and here in the U S we're seeing, and I, and I don't know how it is in Ireland, but I know here specifically we're seeing a rise in right wing politics. Mm-hmm. And I, and I know it's not a popular term, you know, left or right. Cause really what we're facing now in the, in the world, but in the U S is the 1% against everybody else. And, and not even the 1%, it's like the 0.001%, like the four guys that, you know, run the country with their money against everybody else. And then everything in between is just a, dist- I mean, look, we do have civil issues, right? We have racism here in the country. We have, um, you know, problems like that. But like you said, it, I think the right wing ideology that we're seeing right now, it stems from just 
being told to do something without an explanation, without clarity. And then people start coming up with their own ideas of why it's happening. If you don't have an answer, you'll start making your own answers and then they get angry. But also I think a symptom of right-wing ideology in the United States is people that are left, uh, how, do I, how do I explain this? People that are left, uh, I guess, unattended to or people that just don't feel heard, they get angry. And, and these kind of people, it, it could be misinformation, uh, a low threshold of education in their state, but they don't feel heard and they vote that way. These crazy, you know, these crazy lunatics roll into town and they say, I'll, I'll get you everything you want. I hear you. You're angry. Let's take it to Washington. They hear that message. They vote for these people. They go to Washington and then, you know, they vote in these lunatics, not knowing that what they really did was push, you know, further right, further conspiracies. And, and eventually these, these lunatics end up, and I, and I hate to say that word, but it's true. We have a lot of lunatics in politics here in the United States they end up voting against their constituents best interest and then the cycle continues yeah and but and i i I see exactly what you're saying i think some of it comes from the the fact that mainstream politicians right for one better Mm. term they 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 do they do what's in the best interest of corporations or of the elite I mean, you can go all the way back to NAFTA, right? And when NAFTA yeah. was signed, I, I still I still remember it. And I was pretty young, but I do remember the talk at the time of there would be losers, right, to this NAFTA yeah. deal. And there was there was a need to put money into retraining people, into re-educating people, into um, ensuring that people had access to jobs, um, other types of jobs, other types of opportunities. But none of that happened, right? So they people just felt absolutely abandoned. And yeah, of course, um, at that point where you know when when anger exists, it's very easy for a snake oil salesperson to come along and to utilize that anger. But you're you're seeing it now. I mean, there, there was a lot of talk um, just before the the last election about minimum um, minimum wage. Okay, and I saw uh, an opinion poll that said eight in ten Americans think the minimum wage is too low, and they they want to see a rise in it. But that doesn't happen, and so people feel abandoned again by the the, the mainstream politicians, and so it's very easy for somebody else to come along and to jump on that anger, to take that anger, to say, well, we'll change it. But they're just grifters. But I, I think, as, as so to, to me, you without real change, and I, I think there is a, a desire for that in, in many re- respects because people are beginning to, to see that it's a system that has sold them out in many respects. George Carlin was talking about this years ago. Um, Bill Hicks was talking about this years ago, two of my favorite comedians. Um, but if you allow it to go untreated, or it, 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 it's a wound that begins to fester, and, and, and they, those wounds turn septic, and they become toxic, and they, um, I guess, you know, create chaos. And that's what we're seeing in in many parts of the the world at at the moment. Absolutely. No, no, you're, you're a hundred percent dead on on that. And it's, it's great that you brought up minimum wage because it's something that I always, I I bring it up every episode, regardless of the guest, because it just, it needs to happen. $15 for one isn't enough here in the United States specifically. It's not enough to get by. Um, but overall, I think workers year after year, they get, they get upset with mainstream politicians, not, you know, 
voting in their favor, not voting. But then if you look, like you said, if you dig deeper or look deeper, those politicians, the mainstream ones, they are in the back pocket of corporate entities. I mean, like, here's the thing. You get voted into office with good intentions. Ten years later, you're still there. You know, GM or whatever large company, um, Procter & Gamble, whoever it might be, comes up to you and says, listen, I love your campaign. I love your message. Here's a few million dollars. You know, this is what I, this is, this is the, these are the policies that I like. You start paying attention. Guess what? More money starts flowing in depending on how you vote. Um, but th- that's what, I think that's what happens. You go in with good intentions. Most people, you stay there for a while and then you start to see, wow, there's a lot of money in voting a certain way. But back, back to the minimum wage issue, it, if, if we follow trends from like the 1970s, it should be somewhere around 24 to 25 an hour today. I also see, that there's been a, a decline in unions. I'm pro-union 100%. I think when workers come together and unionize and, and collectively bargain for a higher wage, the outcome is is tremendous. It it works. But more and more as we, and, and this, this goes into the technology pitch too, the more and more technology comes out like social media and so forth, it's easier to manipulate the masses into thinking, that what's good for them is actually bad for them, right? That might be, and that, that's one of the reasons why we're in this mess that we're in now. When it comes to wages and workers' rights, time off, um, universal health care, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think that what happens is when, you know, a, a small handful of people own and control the media, then mm-hmm. you're in big trouble um, because they get to set the agenda. They get to set the talking points. And so that, and you, you, you see it on undermine workers' rights continuously. And that, that is something that, that we have seen, you know, since the, the 80s in particular, we have seen, you know, workers' rights undone time and time again. Mm-hmm. We saw a, a rise in workers' rights, particularly after the, the Second World War, because you had, you know, essentially two generations who, um, governments were worried about right because these yeah. people had been had been to to war and and they 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 knew uh you know they they'd seen action on on the on the front lines and on on the other hand you had women who had done you know the work but people had 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 sacrificed so much and they wanted they wanted their governments to to give back and the anger w- was palpable and governments knew they had to do something so you saw a real rise in in working rights and conditions during That's that right. period in parts of the world not everywhere obviously um, but that has really been rolled back on since the 80s and for a lot of people i know here in ireland for example like owning a house it that is you know becomes almost a pipe dream if you yeah, are, that's what so, i was about to say yeah, yeah. if you're a young person who is having to rent um you know how, how do you save in order to to buy a house and and you look back and you see um you know your parents generation or your grandparents generation who had one one member of the family working and there were issues exactly. like that because you know women many times were forced to give up work but one member of the family working and yet they were able to afford a house and that is such a pipe dream and if you disillusion young people to that extent then that in turn leads to to chaos if you give people nothing you know no hope if you remove hope then you will have absolute chaos and 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 i fear you know that's one of my big fears is for a, a lot of young people if if you 
unless you are able to live at home with your parents and save save enough money to, to be able to buy a house. But that just increases inequality. We know that nothing is sure to lead to conflict in mm-hmm. the world than um, inequality. Uh, the, the the bigger the gap, the 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 more likelihood there that there will be conflict, and yet it happens time and time again, and nothing is done to fix it. We just keep keep repeating the mistakes of the past. It is enormously frustrating. Absolutely, and I actually had my last guest was Dan from the uh, Dan Toller podcast. He's a historian, and and this is actually it's funny you brought that up. Yeah, this is a topic that we covered was that like, where do we get to the point where it's the let them eat cake stage, right? Like, wh- where do we, where does it go into the point where we're like, okay, we can't feed our families anymore. It, it's time. I mean, you know, I don't want to get, you know, we don't want to get violent or so forth. But like, wh- when does it get to the let them eat cake stage where you start rolling heads, right? Like the French Revolution. That That's what I always wonder. Like, do we not, we obviously don't learn from our past, but are we at a point where, I mean, we've never seen this kind of wealth ever it's insane. I mean, we're, we're on our way to making our first trillionaires in the world um, here in the U.S. I just, I, I wonder, I know what we need to do to fix it, but I, I want to ask you a question. What, what are your thoughts about social media and manipulating uh, simple minds in this in this era? Because you have, and I, and I hate to use this reference, but you have peasants going against peasants, right? Like workers that can't be making more than 40000 a year, 30000 a year, standing up for these millionaires and billionaires saying, if you work hard, you'll get there too. Stop griping, stop complaining. Would you say uh, social media has something to play in, in that? Um, I think it, it can be both positive and negative because mm-hmm. if you look at, and again, just going on the reports about many of the people who are kind of more, most ardent into some of the... Oh, the QAnon stuff, but equally on the people who are most against kind of, um, you know, some of the, the, the workers movements and who are like terrified of, of socialism or who, you know, they, they're, they're, some of them, those people are, are, are educated. Um, because very often for, for people who are, you know, on the breadline as such, they, they don't have the time to, to be getting into social mm. media squabbles, um, or, and, or, or going, you know, going looking at for for the types of um some of the more elaborate um ideas and conspiracies that that you see out there so i see social media as there is there is incredible manipulation i mean it's just a new form of media and there has always been media manipulation and what happens is is that people generally unfortunately pick a side and Mm -hmm. um you know, in, in ways, and they, they say, or a party, I, I shouldn't say a side, I should say a party, and they say, my party is right, and your party is, is wrong, and they, they ignore what the party is, is actually doing. And so I, I, see, I see that play out time and time again on social media in, in many ways. I see it in, you know, mainstream media, and people use use fear. Like, one of the things that, that comes to, to mind for me is, um and and look there are all sorts of issues don't don't get me wrong here I, you know we could we could talk forever about the issues of, of fox news and, and and various you know the, the likes of rush Limbaugh and what he did you know for uh media discourse and etc but 
one of the things that, that always stood out to me over the last few years was Rachel Maddow did a piece where she talked about if Putin was to turn, that Putin could maybe could control the power grid in America and Putin could turn off the power and he could freeze us all to death. I mean, it was pure fear propaganda. It was based in yeah. absolutely nothing. But and yet it, it it riled up a whole bunch of people who were convinced that Vladimir Putin, who is who is a terrible person, like let, let's put that out there. But he, he if you were to listen to some people, you would believe that he's this omnipresent, omnipotent being. Like he's <laughs> that, there with you, right? Like, oh, he, like he controls every room. aspect. Like Vla Vlad is going to decide what I have for dinner tonight. Like it is yeah, so yeah. ridiculous to like, have, have, have you looked at what's going on in Russia? You, you, if you think he, he can't even control everything that's going on in Russia. And yeah, mm -hmm. sure. He endeavors to, again, he's, he's, he's not an, he's not a particularly nice person. Has he had um, people killed? Absolutely, 100%. But is he responsible for all of the evil in the world? No, but he's a convenient bogeyman to have, to point to, and to say it's all on him. It's nothing to do with 100%. the way in which the system is screwing you over every day. He's, he's a product of the system, essentially like what Trump was. I know people harped on Trump and he was a terrible person. Uh, you know, Obviously not as bad as Putin, but still a bad guy. But he's essentially just the head of a system like he's 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 there and he was a product of people that are frustrated and not listened to um and you and you're right about you know people picking a side and there's there's a lot of issues in between that in between the one percent against everyone else mm -hmm. that happen but at the end of the day i think what we're facing here now is is the ultra ultra wealthy people that you can even imagine the amount of wealth they have against everyone else i mean that's it i you know they're only it's become their only objective to get richer and richer and, and more wealth more accumulation of resources so the more they have the less you have i mean we don't really have a middle class in the united states anymore it's just people that and and here's another thing it's not just the head of com head of companies it's actual companies like i'll throw one out there like walmart here here let me let me break it down for the listeners of how this happens. So Walmart hires, let's say, let's say I'm, I'm, I need a job. I go to Walmart. I apply there. They give me a job. They start paying me it for $12 an hour. I obviously can't live off that, but I need a job. So I take it. Now those, that $12 an hour isn't enough to live. So I go apply for public benefits. Nothing wrong with that. If you need it, more power to you. That's why it's there. But I go apply to public benefits. They grant me those public benefits. Now I'm on public benefits, but I'm working full time. So not only does Walmart get tax breaks for hiring me, but then they, on the back end, we as the taxpayers in, in the United States are subsidizing workers' wages on top of those tax subsidies they already get for hiring me. So it's a double dip system. And I, I don't think people understand it. And, and, that, and I'm going to keep saying it on every episode. I just want to explain how that works. You're essentially having large companies that double dip. They, they hire you at a wage you can't live at. And then the government steps in and subsidizes those wages, which ends up meaning that, you know, me and, and, and any other United States citizen ends up subsidizing that wage on top of the tax breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, and 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 it works. There, there, there are any number of ways in which it works. Like, look at mm -hmm. many of the COVID relief payments and the companies that took them and what they oh, used. Oh, absolutely! With. And many of the contracts that went out. And this is this is across the world. This is not just in 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 one country, but like in the in the UK, in Ireland, in, in 
the United States government gave contracts to absolute charlatans um, and that money is gone. And so what you get is you get this this war, you know, on, on welfare recipients that the media happily put out there and, and, and oh, support yeah. and they ignore corporate welfare because it's the double dip, as you said, it's not paying tax. I mean, many companies set up in, in Ireland to, to avoid tax. Um, yeah. And then in the media, you, the talking point is always, oh, the jobs that they create. And yet they're they're avoiding like billions and billions in in tax. And if if there we don't have like around the, the, the world, there's all this talk about the pension problem and, and people and mm. how are we going to afford? Well, tax companies, that's all you got to do. <laughs> you that's know? No, you that's know? it. No, no, you're right. Absolutely. Like just tax the the what like 10 12 companies that operate in mass numbers around the world that's it like you have like maybe 10 to 20 large corporations that literally are at the top mm-hmm. yeah no and and, and exactly it's exactly that the, the, it's it's those companies but also what we have here because the state does it or facilitates those companies in another way and i'm sure this is potentially the the case in the states um we have um people who are they're 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 really employees of a company right but they're deemed to be kind of independent contractors and so (laughs) the state doesn't get the tax that they should um because again the the sometimes it's some uh, for high earners right we have it over here with some of the tv presenters okay they are media personalities they'll set up as a basically a limited company and instead of paying income tax they're as a company they're able to you know shift things about and and basically avoid paying they are they pay a minimal rate of tax that's right comparison to if you were paying income tax it's say 40 percent um but it that um, if you are, you know, a small, a small person, a, de- a delivery driver or something like that, and you are not earning uh, a, a huge amount, you might miss out on. We have what's here, like pay-related social insurance, but because the company hasn't deemed you, because companies have to pay a contribution towards that as well as employees. But if the if if the comp- if you're not deemed an employee of the company, they don't have to pay that. Well, now it falls to, on you to look after everything. Uh, and even though the company is getting the benefit of you being, um, you know, you working for them because you're not yep. an employee, it's all on you. So there is so much that goes on, but none of that, you know, gets the, the media cover the coverage that it should. It, it focuses on, um, you know, one or two cases of, um, you know, well, welfare uh, fraud, but which is which is a tiny, tiny, um, you know, yes, it's portion a small amount. Of, oh, it's it's unbelievable if you were to yeah. look at what that costs governments and our states or countries. It's almost nothing, say, yet, yeah, in comparison. It, it, it's tiny in comparison to what companies get away with or what gets spent on, you know, ridiculous, um, you know, uh, military spending, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. No, I, absolutely. That's a great point. And, and on that, you know, people, they did a, they did a study here in Florida because I don't know, it might be around the world, but here in the United States, um, uh, and I'm going to say it again, Republicans have like a like a hard on for like welfare and drug testing people and, you know, all these people on welfare on drugs. So they actually did an analysis analysis in Florida and and drug tested the majority of their welfare recipients because they said, if you're on welfare, you can't be doing drugs. I mean, dude, when you're on welfare, you're at the bottom. So I don't blame you for being on drugs. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, 
they did the study and they drug tested it and it, it was under i think it was under one percent it was like 0.01 percent of the of the recipients were actually on drugs and they wasted more money testing than they did cutting benefits to those that were on drugs it it, it doesn't make any sense like we're what are we doing we want to we want to like make an image of people on welfare as being mm-hmm. bad probably Oh yeah, I, I bet I bet you the headlines were on the the fact that they were going to implement this testing policy and not on the outcome. No, absolutely, the outcome was was hidden. It came out, but it wasn't like a it wasn't a massive headline like initially. We are drug testing welfare recipients. Obviously, it, it, and this this goes back to you know, and 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 we're gonna harp on it for a little bit, but the people in this world that are the elites, the ones that make billions a year the more attention that's focused on the little guy the more they can do behind the scenes same with politicians the more we focus on non-issues the more the less time we have to focus on real issues mm-hmm. yeah no that 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 is that's exactly it i think that was um you know, um, Car- Carolyn used to to do a, a piece about that, and uh, there is that famous, um, certainly kind of joke uh, invert commas there because a lot of truth in, in humor at times. But about basically how um, you have a, a, a banker, uh, a welfare recipient, and um, you know, so so uh, so a worker uh, mm. and they're they're all there in the, the room and there's a plate of biscuits in front of them um and there's 10 biscuits and the banker grabs nine of the biscuits and then he says to the worker hey hey that welfare recipient is trying to take your biscuit yes and that's <laughs> that, and that's a great analysis just like you said it's a big club and you're not in it mm-hmm. but that's a that's a i love that joke and i actually have heard it and in many ways too like you know i take nine and that last one there, I scare the worker into thinking the other guy's going to take it. Um, but I, if you're listening to the show, if you're a listener, you know, I, I, I just want to advocate that unionizing, um, collective bargaining, you know, getting together with your workers, with your coworkers, and demanding a higher wage is really the way forward. I mean, that's, that's, that's my take from this is that the more people come together, the less yes. your boss, the less your company can say, don't do that or I'm going to fire you. If literally the whole warehouse came together and said, we want a 30% raise, that's it, or we're walking. What is the company company going to do? No. Of course, they're going to say, okay, you know what, let's talk. But if, if just a few of you guys go up there and say, hey, I want a 30% raise, I can't make enough to live, guess what? You three, four people, you're fired. So the more people come together, the better the outcome. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes we we people don't realize because they're because it, it it helps if there's a narrative of people don't realize the power they would have if they came together, and so they mm. get divided into red and blue or this or that because it 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 helps to to keep people divided. Yeah, if people came together, and that's where I think you know, um, so some some Republicans yes have absolutely done awful things but so have so have some some democrats um and i think you you can't get too lost on the 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 party lines because it's so easy to to dismiss um based on that so i would i would just always interrogate 
what it is you're you're looking at what are the motives behind it why why are they doing it are they is it is it just a, a fake promise or are they going to stand over it and mm. no matter who it is in, interrogate it but i think we as people need to realize that we have way more in common than than, than our than our differences and that for yes. a lot of these politicians whatever particular pin they're wearing that day they are working for corporate interest they are being paid by corporate interests to work against your interests um, yes, absolutely. And it, it's punch and duty politics because behind the scenes, they're all hanging out together. They're they're go, they're going to dinners together, parties together. They're attending weddings together. Um, but in in once the microphone is put in front of them, you know they 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 say they totally disagree with one another, and then you see what happens when it comes to time to actually vote on things. Absolutely, and I and I have a question for you on the on that. And this is my take. I've said this quite a few quite a few times on the show. Um, I I feel like the the youth, you know, people younger than me, um, like Gen Z and, and the ones coming after them. I feel like the more the youth gets involved in politics and actually wins office, obviously you still have you know young Republicans or young people that are far right. But um, I think the the younger you get the more, uh, how do I say, the more accountability they have because they know they're going to be on earth for a while, right? You have people that are in Congress that are like 70, 80 years old. They know they're not going to be here another 10, 20 years. So yeah, let's vote for that company that just gave me 5 million. You know, let's vote for the coal industry that gave me 10. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that the we, we, need, we need to reform the political system because I, I do think term limits uh, would be something to, to look at. I think, um, you know, whatever you can do to increase transparency uh, around lobbyists, uh, whatever you can do to, to reduce nepotism. But um, I think any, it's, it's, it's not only um, older, um, you know, members of, of, of government, whichever government it, it happens to be. I think any anyone can be bought and, and sold and there can be the, you know, it, it, this, you know, I, I'm all right, Jack, um, because uh, whilst I may own a, a beachfront uh, property in Florida, I also own, uh, you know, something in Colorado. So, you know, if things are going to get flooded, I know I know where 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 I can go. Um, mm. But I, I do think term term limits. Uh, so, you know, if somebody gets elected later in life, then fair enough. Um, but where where somebody has been uh, a member of, of government for um, 20, 30, 40 plus years, um, mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they, it, it, it's so it, generally you, you'd have to ask questions around um you know their their ties. Look at look at their record. Um, I mean, I think if you if you if you dig into those, you you know, ge generally there there are an awful lot of skeletons in in those um, people's um, closets. And but I I do think also I see truth in what you're saying. Sometimes people start out with the best of intentions. Um, but mm. they they don't you know things change, technology changes like. Um, and 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 sometimes they they get uh, very lost a, a, along the way, and certainly climate change is is an area where um, if you're not understanding it and you don't understand the um, the precipice that we are standing on at the moment, um, no, absolutely. 
that that's an area that where where I I think that that's where what you're saying really rings true. Yeah, with the, yeah, exactly with young people, but just with the world in general, where, where we're headed. I mean, parts of Florida aren't going to be there anymore in like what 10, 15 years. There's a whole neighborhood. I read an article yesterday. Um, I forget the name of the neighborhood, but it's it's essentially on a sandbar. Um, it was built that way. Florida's a Florida should be its own country. Honestly, it's a crazy place, but. That sandbar neighborhood is actually going under uh, in about 15 years or so, uh, maybe maybe faster, and they don't know how to save the neighborhood. These are million dollar homes, and and it's just crazy to think that you know whole whole neighborhoods, whole um, houses, and and you know subdivisions are going to be sinking into the into the water. And the funny thing about that is, is they were trying to get the federal government to bail them out of that, and you know construct. Um, barriers to keep them afloat but and, and this is kind of funny i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep it on topic here but those same people i'm gonna go ahead and take a guess here i know i don't like assumptions but i'm gonna take a guess that about 80 to 90 percent of them voted against the federal government and, and you know are for states rights and i don't need a handout but when it starts to affect them directly and this could be applied to anybody when something starts to affect you directly I guess you you get to understand the problem a little bit more because you're up close, right? Yeah, that, I, I, and that that is kind of true for all people. And we, I, I would love. I think the world would be a better place if we spent more time teaching empathy to to kids. Mm-hmm. But some some of it is almost a you know it, it's an intrinsic survival um, mechanism because we think. Yeah, when we get into a car or get into a plane, we don't think worst case, we don't think, oh, that's going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so some of that exists in that space, but yeah, of course, there is the hypocrisy when things go wrong, and you know, you suddenly, you know, you go running for for a handout to 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 get it. Um, but I, I do think that's where um, the the demonization that goes on and the division that is is sown uh, plays a, a role in the way things um, kind of uh, the, the way in which people approach things like that. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And at the end of the day, we're going to see that on pretty much any coast. Um, you know, beaches are going to start eroding. I mean, and, and that's that's to our point of, of climate change with younger people in office. Um, anyone can be jaded. Anyone can get persuaded. But I think when, when people have a hand in the future, they tend to work in that way. Like if you know you're going to be here a while, you have kids that are going to be here for another generation, mm-hmm. um, you tend to work in that way. But uh, I think I think that's the way forward. Here, here, here's my final take on all of that. I think in the labor market, you need to unionize collective bargaining. If you're a worker in a warehouse or whatever you do for a living, just understand that your coworker is your ticket to a better future. Your coworkers, um, the more you get together, talk, discuss wages. This is another thing that's not talked about often, but talk about your wages. It's not illegal to do that, especially in the United States. Talk about your wages, what you make. If you if you find out you're making twenty, thirty thousand less than your counterpart, now you start to see the issues. Come together, bargain for a for a higher salary and a better future. And I also support the Amazon workers that are actually this month, if not already, I'll look that up um, after the show. That are uh, voting on a union a union vote in Alabama, out of all places, um, coming up. It was supposed to happen in the middle of March. I think it's going to happen soon, if not already. Uh, I support them one hundred percent. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you are spot on in everything that you're saying in, in that respect. The, the more people can co come together, talk, and it, it, again, I think unions are were given such a, a, a dirty name. Um, mm. and, and some again, I, a lot of that is manipulation. A lot of that is um, gaslighting. A lot of that is people who um, were put into to unions to dismantle from within. And, and some of it is greed. I, again, when you have people in, in unions who've been in a position of power and authority um, for... 30 or 40 years that can that can be a big issue because that's where we need checks and balances but a lot of times those checks and balances aren't in play when you are at the top of an organization checks and balances only exist for those at the bottom who are trying to to make ends meet trying to to get their way through and they get checked every single way they go oh no you're, you're actually earning you know a hundred dollars more than the threshold therefore we're going to cut you off on that um yeah the know, little guy gets the stick the short yes. end of the stick pretty much all the time absolutely yeah, and 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 understand. You know, when I started this show, you know, years ago, I, I I'm still left of center. If you were to pin me on the political spectrum, right? But I, I think overall, like you said, and it's a good message. Um, more and more, you need to you need to start coming together. We we need to start coming together as a population, regardless of party. Obviously, there's there's still lunatics out there that are you know with conspiracy theories, and they're they're just nut jobs, right? We don't we don't engage with those people, but. I would say more and more the people that are, are closer to the middle need to come together because uh, the more of us together, the, the better odds are that we're going to have, a, have a, a good future. We're going to have a future. We're not going to have to fly off to Mars, right, with Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, not that I'd want to because, you know, at the end of the day, people like Elon Musk, but that dude's still an oligarch. He's still a billionaire. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, yeah, overall, like, I, like, like you said, I love that point, and, and we need to do that more often. We need to come together as, uh, you know, as, as human beings and understand that we have more in common than we think. Absolutely. And I, I have a question for you now. Your podcast, we're going to switch gears here. Your podcast is called Adventures in Advising. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What do you guys talk about on the show? Sure. Um, I talk about uh, higher ed, I guess, and we talk about academic advising, but not only academic advising. Okay. We kind of talk about all aspects of higher ed. So, the the aim of the the podcast and my co-host is actually based in California so um, the the time difference is is something that I, I'm, I'm used to, to dealing with a lot of the time um, but it, it, it was to to share stories and, and knowledge and best practice about what's going on in higher ed because where whatever work you're doing in, in higher ed, you're you're working with students, and for most of us working in higher ed, you, you're not you're not working in higher ed to get rich. You're working because mm. you you're passionate about education, or you're passionate about working with students, and you want to ensure that they have the best possible experience. And lots of people working within the sector have phenomenal stories, or working on really cool projects, but don't always get to showcase what they are doing and so that was the the thinking behind it and it's been going for just over a year now we just uh, released our 31st episode awesome. on uh, Monday of this week and we actually just hit 10,000 downloads today so um, very cool congratulations thank you very much um, very, very happy with it so it's really 
if, if whether you're a faculty member, an academic advisor, uh, maybe you work in uh, res life, or even if you're just a student yourself, um, there, there's something I think in the, the podcast for everyone, because we really do try to talk to a wide variety of people from different parts of the, the sector and he, hear about the, the work that they are undertaking, some of the new projects. So a lot of it will be um, hope, hopefully good stories with kind of practical takeaways that people can say, oh, that, that sounds really cool. And each institution is, is obviously a little bit different. Um, so, you know, none of us are, um, you know, I feel a lot of the stuff within higher ed is ways of making it work in your institution. So tweaking it slightly so that it, it works for, for you. Um, but it has been really cool to talk to, to people across the, the world. So we've talked to people in um, America, in Canada, in Australia, in parts of the Middle East, uh, across Europe. Um, and hearing the you know there yeah of course there are cultural differences and there are differences in the way the curriculum uh, works but there are so many similarities uh, across the educational sector and that has been a lot of fun i've uh, really enjoyed the do, doing the, the the podcast my my co-host is is excellent and his editing editing skills are phenomenal so um really for for anyone who is working or in the sector or even interested in the sector i think there is something for them within it awesome and, and your and your co-host is he in higher ed as well yeah so um he he is he's a and he's a an academic advisor and uh he he works in in higher ed and we actually uh, met at a, a conference that it was the executive director of NACADA which is kind of the global body for advising and he knew that my co-host Matt that Matt did videos and that I did I used to always do these videos as I thought was a great way people we respond to to stories right and so I used to do these videos on campus because college campuses can be really big and as a way of, of allowing people to get to know other people and put a, a face to a name a lot of the time and okay. so he said to us Charlie said you guys should kind of work together, talk, see if you can learn from one another and maybe work on a video during the conference. So kind of challenged us to, to do that. And we, we did, and uh, we worked very, really well to, together. And I suppose it was, you know, okay, so videos, we can do some videos, but maybe a podcast is more, you know, a long form story. And the fact that um, there is the the Atlantic Ocean and all of these time zones in the way. This was something that that we could uh, we could do, and um, you know, if if we wherever possible, we do the interviews together. But if if we can't do it, then um, you know, he can do an interview, or I can do an interview, or we can record part of a, a show, and then um, he, you know, one of us can can come and, and and pick it up later on, and so on and so forth. So um, that would have been when we first met. Would have been what the the summer of of twenty nineteen, um, and it, it was about six months before 
we released the first episode. And I, I don't know if, if you would have had a similar experience, but um, you, coming up with an idea of a podcast is, is one thing. Um, actually making it work is, is the other, because I think our first two attempts at like recording um, before we settled on the platform that we were going to use. And I think platforms have even come a long way in the last year. Um, but there was so much distortion, so much echo, so much delay. Yes, that, it's, that a, we, it's a learning process, absolutely. It is such a, it is such a, lear- a learning process. And I, I don't think it is, it, it's not, it's not that it's incredibly technical. It's just that you have to learn it and you have to be prepared to put the, the time in and dedicate it to repeatedly doing it i suppose because yes, again and, it can seem yeah. like a, a great idea and it is it's, it's a lot of fun but there is a, a work that goes into it as you well know and you have to organize and you have to keep doing it it's it's the the, the repetitive nature of it that i think you, people have to realize because it's not just that you, you do it once it's that if you want to keep talking to people you've got to do it again and again and again every so, week consistency is 100 percent. consistency is key like you when i started i had i had that issue where it was just it was hard like it was hard because you have to stay consistent every week uh the first run when i started it the same thing i you know we we had technical difficulties um you know the microphones the can we keep going every week you know and it's and, and like you said it's everything behind the scenes that people don't see like the topics the talking you know the, the talking about relevant topics and things that are happening now but then turning that into an actual show for people to listen to. It's it's been a great process. So just like you guys, it, it's been you know it's been fun. Absolutely, I, I I would recommend it, but just recognize that the the dedication that's involved. Oh yeah, there's a lot of work, and it's not. So you're you're not only the 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 co-host of uh, Adventures and Advising, but you also have an NFL show, right? Is it called the Irish NFL Show? Yeah. Um, so I suppose I've always been a big NFL fan. It's something that I've. Um, had an interest in for a long, long time. And I, I'm actually a Denver Broncos fan and have cool. been. Um, my my first major sporting event I uh, remember was the really um, big sporting event was the 49ers beating the Broncos 55-10, which remains a, a record and historic loss. Um, it was the first sporting event I, I cried over and uh, I have remained uh, a Denver Broncos fan ever, ever since, even though they, they lost. So I call it an affliction because um, it means that I have to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning to, to watch this team who <laughs> um, definitely have had a lot of success and, and brought me many, many happy memories, but also some heart-crushing uh, losses. And then you're trying to go into to work the following day, you know, having maybe, especially the, the late Sunday games are tough because they're on at about 20 past one in the morning. And so it's difficult to get enough sleep beforehand. And then afterwards, you're so amped up because, you know, the game may have gone to the last play and it's, you know, half four or four thirty we say half four over here and you're you're going to be up in a few hours so you don't end up going and then you're 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 rolling into work so was a broncos fan a long time and then i've always been interested in you know other people's stories and so began talking to other people and then we started a broncos europe group um because there are a lot of fans actually in in europe and um the the interesting part is when I was growing up, 
they used to show highlights on television and then the, the highlights disappeared for a time. They, I guess they lost the, the rights or, or maybe the interest, but then it, it came back. But again, it was on cable and I couldn't afford it. So um, it, I could only follow it like via the, the newspapers. But now, of course, with I'm working and with streaming, I'm, I'm actually able to watch every single game. Um, and, and so that is a, 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 both a blessing and a curse. So it's interesting to see how you know I was able to watch, then I couldn't watch, and I had to just follow the newspapers. And now I can watch every game. But the game has definitely grown and expanded. And you're seeing a, a, a large number of fans across Europe. So we started at Broncos Europe, and that's been really great. We we were doing meetups in uh, that pre-COVID world where that's right. You know, it's an odd it's an odd thing to think about, right? We used to meet up in in public with no masks and so forth. Yeah, with with just random strangers, uh, you yeah. know. Um, but that was that was a lot of fun, and I, hopefully we can get back to that. But the nice part, I suppose, is to see the community come together over the last year. But I am a because I'm I'm a big fan of the the sport and I love talking to to people. Um, a few of us came together then um, last season and said, "Look, what about?" You know, we 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 have our own teams that we're fans of, but what about doing an Irish NFL show? Because we are a nation of storytellers in Ireland, and we we love talking. And we just no, felt I, that there wasn't a particular there was nobody in Ireland focusing on the the league itself. There are there are loads of great fans in Ireland, and there are loads of great fan groups, but there was nobody talking about the. Um, the, the league itself and so we started the the Irish NFL show and and it's gone really well it's been a lot of fun we've been very fortunate I suppose because we've been working in different areas um, a lot of us have built up um, contacts over the that period I know say advisors who may might have worked with players and we have different people who've worked in different areas so we've been very fortunate to talk to players and coaches we got media accreditation for the Super Bowl, so we were able to go onto the Zoom calls and ask questions. And the players were um, amused by hearing funny accents when we were <laughs> talking to them. So that was pretty cool. We probably elicited more of a response than maybe others did. And um, again, it, it's really around stories. There's no gotcha questions. We're not looking. We're not breaking stories. Or we're. Yeah. we're it's just discussion of the game and the it, players. Exactly. And, you know, or some. Really some your favorite memories or things like that and i think players and coaches have appreciated that about it and it is something that we continue to do i'll actually um, be uh, going after this tonight i'm going to have some food and then we actually go live because it's free agency uh, at the moment so we're actually Ooh, doing okay. shows all this week but if there are any if there's anyone listening to this um, if you are a fan of the Denver Broncos, definitely get in touch. If you are just a fan of the NFL and you want to hear people with funny accents, four lads from Ireland with funny accents <laughs> talk about the game, um, check out the the Irish NFL show. And and you know it's funny that you bring that up. I said the accent, but like people like us, we must have an accent to you guys, right? I feel oh, like yeah. when, I, that, when that I went to England, people and, said uh, I had an accent. Oh yeah, no, you 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 absolutely do. I think. Ireland is interesting though because there this sheer range. I mean, you get you get in a car in Ireland, you're ten minutes, and people have different accents. Like the 
I'm in Dublin and the, the north side of the city would have a, a, a different accent to the south side of the city. I'm originally from Cork. Cork people have a, a, a very distinct accent generally, people from Kerry. So there are so many different accents in, in Ireland. There are, there are many different accents in, in America as well, but um, you probably need to, to travel a bit further before hearing um, some, some of the differences. Um, and it is, but I, I promise you, you definitely have an accent. No, absolutely. Anywhere you go, you kind of learn, right? You kind of learn like, oh yeah, you know what? We, we have an accent too. It's, mm-hmm. it's funny that you mentioned that. So, and, and this show, it's called the Irish NFL show. Is that right? And you can the, find I, the Irish are. NFL show. Yeah. And, um, you can, we have, we have a website and we're on, um, Twitter, uh, and we're on, you can watch us on, on Facebook as well, but yeah, the Irish NFL show, just Google it. You'll find us and uh, we love interacting with people. So definitely reach out and get in touch. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, before we sign off here, I got a question for you. What is your favorite fast food restaurant here in the United States? Oh, um, it's, it's interesting because, because I'm, uh, gluten free and and have been for the best part of a decade. I there's a there's a lot of fast food that I can no longer eat, um, which is which is a real shame uh, in, in in some ways because um, you know it it makes it a little bit trickier. Um, and if you're cooking at home, that's fine. But definitely when it comes to fast food, um, it is trickier. Now I I will say um, that. Uh, every time I, I, tra- I used to travel to the States quite a lot um, and, and hopefully I, uh, I, I can travel uh, again in the not too distant future. There is um, a pizza place in Chicago. I need to, to try to, to remember the, the name whilst I, I'm talking to you here. And they actually do um, the Chicago um, deep dish um pizza uh, and it, as gluten-free and i always uh endeavor to to go there uh whenever i'm actually in in chicago it might just be chicago's pizza and it it's really i like i will go out of my way like i have gotten um up like stupid stupid early to go to get a pizza <laughs> before getting back on a plane like i'll, I'll do it twi- twice and uh, so you know if, if i have the option of say you know oh i i could fly into you know maybe washington um, dollars and 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 go home or i could fly into chicago and take you know hours in, in the city now i equally have friends route, so it's right. not like i'm just flying for the pizza but i could say to my friends hey why don't we all go for pizza here so i think chicago's pizza um is uh, is p- possibly the the one that that stands out to to me but i i do always love going um stateside because um the the other piece that i, I really like and i don't think there's a, a chain of them as such but i love barbecue um, and so mm. I love trying yeah. out different barbecue places uh, in the different areas of the state. So whether it's Kansas City or whether it's Texas, I'm I'm a big barbecue fan. And generally with barbecue, it's like the like the 
the, the less of a chain it is, the, the better the, the it is. Yeah, no, standalone absolutely. shack that it is. That's where you're going to get the the best barbecue. So that's uh, what I will will always look for uh, when I go. Um, states i used to actually do massive road trips uh, a number of years ago the job i had um well, i ran a study abroad program so it was really really intensive but i used to have a couple of because we ran a summer program but essentially the summer program finished in july and so i had that period between july and september and i used to go and do these massive road trips like um east to west in america and so one year i in i made it my mission to try to find the best um banana split that i could find on that on that road trip okay, okay. and so that that was uh, a piece that um that that i did and another year um this again we're going back so far it was before i was diagnosed as a celiac before i was gluten-free but i made it my mission to, to endeavor to find the best uh burger that i could find um in what was the best burger that you found um there were there were a couple of them that stood out one and i it is is it's on long island and um is it is it all american i think is is the name of it some of your listeners may know american uh yeah it's the all american place i just saw it on tv that's funny that you mentioned it it is it's so good yeah, I, I get. I absolutely stand stand over that. That is really good. Um, and there was another place in Minnesota actually, um, where they had a um, a juicy Lucy burger that was in, incredible. Um, but so so I don't think there are uh, like fast food chains. But I think you can hear in in my. Past in my passion about this, that I love going on these expeditions where I'm like, right, this on, on this particular trip, this is what I'm going to look for. I couldn't do that all the time. And you know, my God, can you can you imagine? Uh, it would be like the the man versus food guy. But, hey, um, that wouldn't be a bad uh, that wouldn't be a bad uh, gig though, right? Tr- true. I you I'd probably need to do what he did and like run kind of half marathons all, all the time. But I I am a, I, I enjoy going out. Um, you know, to have food with friends there it's it, it, that, that's one of the great joys of being human i think is just going out for food with friends and laughing and joking and you know t- telling stories memories thinking about the future that that is that is where i think you know we're the, one of the when you look back and like what are some of your favorite memories to me it's thinking about the, some of those road trips and it's not about like the spectacular places that i went to see it's like oh yeah we went to the 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 bar and we just had such fun or we went for food and the pizza in that place was amazing and we just again we we had such fun it's laughter that's what uh, stands out to me Oh, absolutely. It just, and, and, and on that note, I, I hope we get back to that soon. Um, you know, everyone, if you're, if you're still in lockdown, hang tight. I know it looks like by the end of this year, we should be back to normal with the vaccine. Obviously, you know, things will be a lot different. We will probably wash our hands a lot more uh, after this and hand sanitizer will be used the right way. Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to the same thing. I look forward to, uh, to getting back to, like you said, eating with friends, having a beer in public. Um, and and you know not not being like you know a weirdo for doing it because you know right now they see you in a bar which I, I'm I'm with them like I'm with them they see you at a bar and we're in lockdown and you're drinking hey brother you you need to get back home or you need to go like 
like my 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 good friend Colum here, you need to go for a walk. Okay, you can't be in a bar right now. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, absolutely, I, I look forward to that that normalcy coming back. Um, all right, and uh, before we sign off here, Colm, do you want to leave us our guests with any uh, final thoughts about your shows or anything we talked about here today? Um. Well, A, it's been great fun. Um, so, so thank you for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. B, if there are people listening who want to get in touch, please do. I, I love talking to people. Um, I'm very active on Twitter, at Colum from Cork. You can find me on there, the Irish NFL show, Adventures in Advising. Check them out. Um, and one thing, I suppose, in, in terms of, of leaving you with, with, with something, um, I think... When, when I think about life, I think life can essentially be brought, be broken down into the three L's, right? Um, love, laughter, loss. And there is, there's been an awful lot of loss over the last year in particular. And so much mm-hmm. of loss is beyond our control. Um, there, there, there aren't things we can do about it. And it can be losing loved ones. It can be losing a job. It can be lo- lo- loss in, in, in many different respects. But loss is something that a lot of the time we don't have control over. So what I would say to people is, is in as much as possible, um, without it being toxic positivity, but focus on, on on love and laughter. And love can be that can be your friends and family, that can be a significant other, but that can be other things like you, you know music, books, whatever it is that you find um, you know your your passion in. Focus on that and and laughter. There there is nothing quite like uh, just losing yourself in laughter with friends. And so I would say. Focus on love and laughter, and I think the world would be an infinitely better place if we could try to do that. Absolutely, I, I love that, and 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 come together as humans. I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, there's been a lot of loss, a lot of craziness in the last year um, with this virus. So uh, I agree. I, I think there should be more love and laughter get together. And I, I love your take on the toxic positivity. You know, I know that's been going around. You know, like the memes and so forth of like, you know, be positive no matter what. And I, I get it's hard. But yeah, overall, just uh, let's get together when this thing's all over. Maybe I'll take a flight down to Ireland. Uh, oh, you, specifically. You, you have a tour guide. Uh, definitely. You know? I'm happy to act as tour guide. So so please do come and visit and, and keep in touch. Definitely. And then, um, you know, I'd love to have you on again soon. Thanks for coming on, Colm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Colm from Adventures in Advising and the Irish NFL Show.